stand, let's stand. Come, let us worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things. See what our Savior has done. See how His love overcomes. He has done great things. He has done great some of the littlest of our church attenders come in this morning. So you guys continue to stand. The rest of us, let's go ahead and be seated and invite Miss Jennifer up here.
Good morning. It is my privilege to introduce the families who are participating this morning in the parent-child dedication service and to welcome family and friends who have traveled to witness this special day. As each family is introduced, they will be presented with a certificate of dedication and a Bible to serve as a reminder of the covenant that they will be entering into today. Our first family is Evelyn Marie Blankenship, born July 16, 2020. Her parents are Derek and Kendra Blankenship, and she's joined by her big sister, Olivia. Amen. You have to do this. <laughs> Don't you? You just have to. Amen. <laughs> Next, we have Maddox Allen Coffey, born November 14, 2019. His parents are Nolan and Megan Coffey. Next, we have Judah Parker Easton, born July 12, 2020. His parents are Zach and Emily Easton. Next, we have Allison Lane Hayworth, born February 20th, 2016. Her parents are Bo and Kathleen Hayworth, and she's joined by her big brother, James Edward Hayworth, born January 27th, 2015. I hope y'all know the story of these two and these two that have been recently adopted and brought into this family. God is so good. Amen. Amen. Next, we have Molly Elise Hildebrand, born December 3rd, 2019. Her parents are Matt and Morgan Hildebrand. Some of these folks up here are repeat offenders. <laughs> Amen. Next, we have Logan Scott Loveland, born September 21st, 2020. His parents are Brad and Ashley Loveland. Next, we have Weston James Phillips, born January 2nd, 2020. His parents are Gabe and Rachel Phillips. Next, we have Jackson Thorin Sharp, born February 22nd, 2019. His parents are Jason and Olivia Sharp. And last, we have Benson William Simniok, born September 22nd, 2020. His parents are Nathan and Haley Simniok. Well, what a crew, amen? amen. The Lord is good, amen. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> It's the privilege of the church to encourage and assist parents in the proper training and development of their children. Therefore, it is appropriate for home and church to unite together in a service of dedication. So we would remind you that the act of dedication is keeping with the teaching of God's Word. In this service of dedication, we are first to give thanks to our God. We are to make a solemn promise as parents and as a church that relying on the grace of God working together as home and church, we will all endeavor to provide guidance for these children in instruction, discipline, salvation experience, and growth in the Lord. We are also to pray for God's blessing upon these children 
in the presence of the Spirit of God, remembering how the Lord Jesus Christ took little children and blessed them. Listen to the word. We agree with the psalmist. Behold, children are a gift from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. And how blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. And Psalm 103, 17 through 18, But the mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, to such as keep his covenant, and to those who remember his commandments to do them. So in a time of commitment, I want to say first to the parents, uh, it's almost like when you got married, right? I want to hear I do or I will, all right? In presenting your child to the Lord, do you promise independence upon God's grace to teach your child the truths of the Christian faith, to set an exa- a Christian example before him or her, to bring him or her up in the instruction and discipline of the Lord, and to encourage him or her to accept Christ as personal Savior under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And to you, congregation, do you as members of the church family promise to join these parents in teaching and training of the children that he or she may be led in due time to trust Jesus Christ as Savior and to confess Him through baptismal waters and church membership. Would you indicate this by standing? All right. Let's pray. Great God and Father, we are humbled, uh, Lord, to stand before You with responsibility as parents, uh, thinking of what Your Word tells us our responsibility is as fathers and mothers. We're also humbled at the gift that you would give us in children. Truly, they're a gift from you, a heritage unto the Lord. And Father, I just pray for blessing from you in the lives of these parents as they raise these children. And may we join as a church together with them to support. And Father, thank you for the stories that are represented up here. How good you have been, how faithful you have been to these families. And Father, truly, you deserve all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. And we will just say, praise the Lord for that one that cried out. That's just a public service announcement that we still always need help in child care. Right, Jennifer? So please see Jennifer if you you can serve during the worship service about once every two or three months. She would certainly take your help. We always need help in there. Let me... um, get you to uh, fill out one of these white cards. It's a, it's a connection card, and we won't take a whole lot of time with this, but if you're with us maybe for the first or second time, we would love to know who you are and, and how we could minister to you. So fill that out and then put that in the offering plate as you leave at the end of the service. Uh, all right, so we want to uh, have just a, uh, an honorable but yet a lighthearted way of saying Happy Mother's Day. So watch this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Becoming Your Mom support group. Uh, We have some visitors with us today. Welcome to you. My name is Mark, and I'm the group leader. Welcome to our Becoming Your Mom support group. Uh, We have some visitors with us today. Welcome to you. My name is Mark, and I'm the group leader. 
And I think we'll start by reciting our mission statement. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. We love our moms, but we are not our moms. Carol, would you mind starting us off this week? Hi, everyone. I'm Carol. Hi, Carol. I am the oldest of three roommates, and I'm turning into my mom. I clean up everything after them. I've even started doing their laundry. I talk to myself in the grocery store all the time. All of my status updates are just pictures of kids. I don't even have kids. Same. Well, kids and recipes. The other day, I almost licked my finger and wiped the face of a total stranger. I keep saying words like garbage and tarjay. What is that? I'll send a text to someone just to let them know I sent them an email. Well, how else would they know? Right? I mean, these shoes were on sale. What am I supposed to do? Not buy them? I call my husband my son's name. And sometimes I call my son the dog's name. I always tell people, I'll be like two minutes. Then it'll be like an hour. <laughs> whoa, whoa, take it easy there. Shannon already has a tissue. We really don't need to offer her one. I do. Did you see how they let the momness overtake them? So you may not be able to avoid becoming your mom, but the key is to let the beautiful things about moms shine through in your life. The kindness, the caring, the compassion, the qualities that God gave moms when he created them. Oh, like when I text my friends, LOL, lots of love. That's not what LOL means. That's what my son told me it meant. LOL, lots of love. What else, what else would it mean? You know, open some strength in these next songs. These are not overtly family slash Mother's Day songs, but they're songs that remind us, one, will remind us that when we feel overwhelmed, that our God is the Ancient of Days. Two, an old hymn will remind us of the biblical virtue of human love, brother, sister, parent, child. And the last one will finally remind us that we do not find our value in what we own or what we do, but we find our value in our relationship with Christ, in Christ alone. Amen? So let's join together in worship.
here's a truth that's so, so very important. Let's take it to heart. My worth is not in what I own, not in the strength of flesh and bone, but in the costly wounds of love at the cross. My worth is not in skill or name, in win or lose in but in the blood of Christ that flowed at the cross. I rejoice. I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him no soul is satisfied in him alone as summer flowers we fade and die fame youth and beauty once again I rejoice I rejoice in my Redeemer greatest treasure wellspring of my soul I will trust in him no other my soul is satisfied in him alone let's just bow before him and ask ourselves Lord, am I completely satisfied in you and you alone? Two wonders here that I confess, my worth and my unworthy. My value fixed, my ransom paid at the cross. Amen. And I rejoice in my Redeemer, greatest treasure, wellspring of my soul. I will trust in Him, no other. My soul is satisfied in Him.
may be seated. Well, I would like to say Happy Mother's Day to you moms, and I would like to say what a blessing it is for us to be back in one service. Amen. It is. What a blessing. All our voices lifted to the Lord to sing. What a blessing it is. There are some things that only a mom can teach. Y'all know that, right? My mom taught me all about anticipation. Just wait till your father gets home. <laughs> right? My mom taught me medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes like that, boy, your eyes are going to stick that way, right? She taught me genetics. You're just like your father. And she taught me justice. One day you'll have kids, and I hope they turn out just like you. I heard that one a lot, right? But mom's influence, what a blessing it is. The most important thing she did, however, was to point me to the scriptures that in turn point us to the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's a statement I read about moms. An ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. I think it's impossible to exaggerate a mother's influence in the lives of her children. Now, perhaps more than any time in history, we have more at our disposal for advice and how to raise children. Would y'all not agree? We have a proliferation of materials on how to raise our kids and how to raise them right. We even have academic disciplines that are devoted to the study of child development and child education. But here's the amazing thing. In view of all the vast proliferation of material, there is still a huge disparity between the amount of information we have as parents and the actual success our country is having in raising kids. Huge disparity. So I would say, I'd, ve I'd venture to say something's wrong. Something is wrong. One would think that the more material you have, the more success we would all have. And we're reminded, all you have to do is look at the TV, just look at the paper, the local paper. We are in a crisis in our country when it comes to raising kids. Yes, we are. We are actually in a crisis. We're seeing problems in our youth that no generation has ever seen in this proportion. Violence, substance abuse, utter and complete rebellion, flagrant disregard to authority. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 2 reminds us that in these last days, certain things will take place. And one is this one, disobedient to their parents. And it's fleshed out by these terms, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, and without self-control. Kind of sounds like the situation that we're in today. Remember, all of this is taking place when we have a flood of material on how to raise kids. But I think the fatal, fall, uh, the, the fatal flaw in all of this 
has to be the fact that we've forgotten the Lord God and His Word, which is the only guide given to us that is absolute truth in order for us to raise our children. We've abandoned God and His Word as the only authoritative guide for training them. So we know this to be true in the secular arena. Uh, But what's so discouraging is we've adopted in the church a lot of the secular understandings of how to raise children, and we've bought in to that kind of thinking. So the church has adopted in many ways the wisdom of the world. We need to be reminded or rediscover the great and timeless principles given to us in the Word of God when it comes to parenting. So I want to talk about that particular thing today. Again, we know what the world has to say. Today, I perused through an article early this morning, probably about 6.15, called Hollywood Moms Reflect on Their Greatest Role. And these were the moms on Lassie, Little House on the Prairie, Happy Days, and the Waltons. Those are shows I grew up watching. Some of those were the tail end that I got to see of those shows. Uh, The discouraging, there were some good things, right? The discouraging thing is only one of them. I guess I'm pronouncing her name right. Michael Learned from the Waltons. She said that we need to love the precious loans given to us from God. Well, they are given to us. She's the only one that even mentioned God. But not a single word whatsoever in all six of those moms about the centrality of the Word of God in raising our kids. So we might say that we have one overarching foundation. Now, again, there are duties of parenting with an S, plural. But I want to submit to you today that there's one duty, one primary duty when it comes to raising children. And we might say that it is the overarching umbrella of parenting, and it's simply this. And you're going to have no problem following me this morning because you only have one point in your bulletin. All right, take a look at it. The duty of parents is to glorify God in our parenting by raising our children according to the Word of God. Amen? So if you are a parent, you're a Christian parent or a Christian, everything we do must be done ultimately for the glory of God. The question then becomes, how in the world do we do what we do for the glory of God? And the answer is simple. We glorify God by what we do, whether it's parenting, whether it's going to your vocational service, your work, your job, whatever that may be. You, do, you glorify God by doing what we do according to the Word of God. I got one. Any more? Y'all understand how serious this is. When we live our lives according to God's word, then we know we are living and walking in a way that reflects the glory of God. Folks, you say you believe God's word is inerrant, infallible, the only authoritative source for faith and practice. Well, folks, that has to be true with parenting too. Either Either it is totally authoritative or it's not. So that's how important it is for us to reflect God's glory. How do we reflect the glory of God by raising our kids? We have to do it according to the Word of God. And this this doesn't mean if you plug in the ingredients, they're going to pop out exactly like we want them to. And we'll talk about that in a few moments. But how do you, as a parent, 
stand before the beam of judgment seat of Christ one day in the future, which you will. And you're going to give an account for everything you've done in the flesh, good or bad. How do you stand before God in that day? Well, it is for you to be able to say, Lord God, to the best of my ability, we try to parent our children according to thus saith the Lord. Because we all will give an account one day. So, we need a framework. We need a goal. And the goal is simple. God, help us parent our children according to the Word of God. Without a framework, without a goal, here's what happens. We end up doing one of two things, and I've been there. I'm still there sometimes. The first one is this. If we don't have a framework or a goal, we end up parenting by default. We just try to make it day to day, just get by. Whatever, whatever it takes just to get by. So to parent by default usually means that we are one of two things. We're aggressive, angry, and domineering. Or it means that we take a step back and we become passive and permissive. Thank you. All of you fall under that umbrella, don't we? We know so at some point, and I've learned something. This form of parenting doesn't take any energy. You're just plain lazy, and I've been lazy in this regard. doesn't take any energy whatsoever to be aggressive, angry, domineering, or to step back and be permissive or passive. doesn't take energy. You don't have to learn anything to parent by default. You just roll with the flow. This form of parenting ends up having a huge impact on our children. And in the process, if we parent this way, we fail to glorify God in our parenting. There are parents who realize this, that it's not going too well by default. So they say, well, let's do something else. Let's just parent by trends. Y'all know who people who parent by trends? Those are the people who have 12 different subscriptions to the parenting magazines. And we're constantly just clipping out all the articles and sometimes even sticking them on the refrigerator so your kids can see. I know how you moms. All right, right we, we, we do this. Why? And we often don't even think about whether or not the trend is actually biblical. We don't even stop to consider what the Word of God says in this regard. Why do we do this? Because we're grasping at something. Because what we're doing is not working. And we're wondering how we can fulfill the word of God. And folks, listen. If you fulfill the word of God, then you've honored God. So no matter what happens in the fallout of parenting, if you are honoring the word of God and using the word to parent your children, then you're reflecting the glory of God. That's what the Bible reminds us of. So... Here's a great verse to remind us not to do it with trends that usually don't work, not to do it by default. Here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 10.31. So whatever you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Folks, that has to have in it parenting. It has to be contained because it says whatever you do. So this is the umbrella of governing principle. To saturate our lives, wanting to give God glory. This is why we seek to be good employees on the job. This is why we seek to be good employees. This is why we seek to be good moms and dads and husbands and wives. Why? Oh, I know it's not an easy task, but if you're a believer today, you want to do whatever you do for the glory of God. Does that make sense? We glorify God in the manner that we parent our children. 
So these are uh, very important verses to remember, especially those regarding the glory of God. But let me draw your attention today kind of in the middle of the flow of the sermon to help you see what I mean by honoring God by obeying the Word of God. First Samuel, uh, you have to open up and turn the pages. Are you already there? Awesome. It was in the bulletin, right? Okay. First Samuel chapter 2. For the sake of time, let me skip through it. You go back and read it all. We're going to get the gist of it. Now, verse 12. Now the sons of Eli were worthless men. They did not know the Lord. The custom of the priest with the people was that when any man offered a sacrifice, the priest's servant would come while the meat was boiling. And if you read down through here, they're committing sacrilege. They're, they're robbing God of what's due to him regarding his sacrifice. And then down in verse 17. Thus the, sign, thus the sin of the young men was very great in the sight of the Lord, for the men treated the offering of the Lord with contempt. We're talking about Hophni and Phinehas. You'll see their names toward the end of the chapter. But here's, in contrast, the young boy Samuel, chosen by the Lord to be the priest, was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed with a linen ephod, and his mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year. Do y'all think that Hannah raised Samuel by God's word? Have you read the story of how God honored her prayer? Well, I think the contrast is given for a purpose. Now, verse 21, Indeed, the Lord visited Hannah, and she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Uh, here's a woman who was barren, right? And God is just blessing her with more children. And the boy Samuel grew in the presence of the Lord. Now, verse 22, Now, Eli was very old, and he kept hearing all that his sons were doing to all Israel and how they lay with the women who were serving at the entrance to the tent of meeting. And he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of all your evil dealings from all these people. No, my sons, it is no good report that I hear the people of the Lord spreading abroad. If someone sins against a man, God will mediate for him. But if someone sins against the Lord, who can concede for him, intercede for him? But they would not listen to the voice of their father, for it was the will of the Lord to put them to death. Now the boy Samuel will continue to grow. Here we are, contrast, both in stature and in favor with the Lord. Now verse 27, And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Here's a prophet, and here's the word. Look, folks, every bit of this hinges upon the hearing of the word and obeying it in life. And there came a man of God to Eli and said to him, Thus says the Lord, did I, did I indeed reveal myself to the house of your father when they were in Egypt, subject to the house of Pharaoh? Question. Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to go up to my altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? I gave to the house of your father all my offerings by fire from the people of Israel. Why then do you scorn my sacrifices and my offerings that I commanded for my dwelling? And honor your sons above me. By fattening yourselves on the choicest parts of every offering of my people Israel, therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promise that your house and the house of your father should go in and out before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me, for those who honor me, I will honor. 
and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days are coming when I will cut off your strength and the strength of your father's house so that there will not be an old man in your house. Then in distress you will look with envious eye on all the prosperity that shall be bestowed on Israel and there shall not be an old man in your house forever. The only one of you whom I shall not cut off from my altar shall be spared to weep his eyes out to grieve his heart and all the descendants of your house shall die by the sword of men. And this that shall come to pass to your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, shall be the sign to you. Both of them shall die on the same day. Now, in that story, there is a very important verse. And I want to remind you that Eli was in fact a sincere priest of the Lord. When you read about Eli, uh, in some degree he's a godly man. In some degree. Even when he uh, ends up finding out that the Ark of the Covenant has been stolen by the Philistines, this is how he actually dies, right? He, he's so upset that he falls over backwards and he dies. He breaks his own neck. We can't conclude that Eli was just simply a wretched and corrupt man. As a matter of fact, it appears that Eli tried his best at one point to deal with these permissive boys. Did y'all not hear that part given directly to them? In verse 22, he hears a report. He goes to his grown boys. He rebukes them. But I think the atrocity seems to be the fact that he rebuked them mildly. In other words, he was, he allowed, he was permissive. But if you read verse 29... God's word to Eli is very simple. Eli, you not only contributed to their own destruction and damnation, but you've also honored them above me. You've been guilty of participating in their sin. You've kicked against my offering. You committed sacrilege, but you've done something even worse than this. You've honored your boys more than me. Folks, here's the deal. When we fail to deal with our children according to God's word, we are honoring our children above God. And we are ruining the souls of our children. That's why it's so vitally important that we parent by thus saith the Lord. So the call for us as believers in Jesus Christ is to give full adherence to God's word. It is to honor God in the manner that we raise our children. Not honor our kids above God. Not honor them above thus saith the Lord. I want to remind you, folks, that God still speaks today. He speaks just like he spoke through the prophets to Eli. He he speaks exactly like that. This book is just as equal to the Word of God than if Jesus were to manifest himself in here bodily and speak to you. This is God's holy Word. This is what he has to say to his people. So it's important. Psalm 40 verse 6 says, You do not delight in sacrifice and offering. You open my ears to listen. You do not ask for whole burnt offerings for sin. That phrase, you open my ears to listen, can be translated, you dug ears, you translated, two ears you have dug for me. Now get the picture. God is standing over you with a pickaxe. And he's digging out your ears. He's mining out deafness and hardness of sin, inexperience and willingness and sloth, and giving you spiritual ears to hear. Folks, do you know how important it is to hear the Word of God? 
Not just to be a hearer only, but to be a doer. But I want to remind you that faith cometh by and hearing by how? The Word of God. That's why it's so vitally important. Eugene Peterson once said, The primary organ for receiving God's revelation is not the eye that sees, but the ear that hears. Which means that all of our reading of Scripture must develop into the art of hearing the Word of God and obeying. Now, I have to be honest with you and tell you that this is perhaps a much bigger burden of raising the kids, parenting upon moms than it is dads. Would you all agree with that? Would you? Your mothers are saying, yeah, we agree with that. Just for the salt, just exclusively if we talk about time being spent with the kids, right? Now, I know times are a-changing, pappy, right? Things are different. I get that. But I want to remind you that our mothers are with our children day and night. Sometimes that's different. I get that. All over the world, a number of women who are, they, all over the world, the number of women who are fully dedicated to the biblical duties of motherhood is dropping at an alarming rate. It's just the facts. Now, the world says, well, you don't need to parent according to the Word of God because that's passe to a forward thinking society, that's antiquated. Who in the world is going to listen to an old ancient book? Right? That's what the world says. While modernity has given us many technological advantages, career opportunities, it's also given us fewer and fewer women and mothers who totally dedicate themselves to the raising of their children. Now, we know this. I'm not telling you something that we don't know. Okay? So... J.R. Miller understood this and made this statement. A true mother is one of the holiest secrets of home happiness. God sends many beautiful things into this world, many noble gifts, but no blessing is, is richer than that which he bestows in a mother who has learned love's lessons well and has realized something of the meaning of her sacred calling. The Bible makes it clear that a mother's sacred calling is dedicated to laying that foundation at the earliest stages of life and then building upon it throughout each phase of the child's life. We know that this is what the Bible tells us. So this is why the hand that rocks the cradle, you want to say rules the world, but I'm telling you it's different. The hand that rocks the cradle blesses the world. Right? So uh, this is not how things have worked out in the modern world. The hand that once rocked the cradle now taps the keys in a cubicle. I mean, I'm just being honest. Now, is there a way to balance all this with a dual family income, working both moms and dads? There is a way to balance it, but I'm just going to tell you it's a lot harder. We know this. If you're a mom, you know this is truth. So God reserves the most fundamental role of the preservation of young lives to mothers. That's what God has designed. Without mothers, babies languish. Thus, it is the mother who stands in the gap to ensure the blessing of children. And the ripple effects of her effort keeps working either positively or negatively for the health of families, churches, and nations. We're seeing it in our day today. We dads come home from work as a normal rule of thumb, and we throw our two cents in. Mom, let me just add a couple of things to what you've done all day. Right? We, uh, we whip the fire out of them if they need it. Right? You remember that? Didn't you hate that growing up as a young boy? You just wait till your dad gets home. And boy, you just had to think about that. I tell Natalie sometimes, just go ahead and whip the little fella. 
just give Timothy a whipping because he don't want to sit here all day long. That's like triple and quadruple punishment, right? And then the other father duty is to get them wound up tight. Fight them, wrestle with them right before they go to bed, right? We're good at that. And then we say, whoa, we've done a great job today parenting. You know you're guilty. Well, there is no excuse because if I was preaching on Father's Day, I would tell you how, in, how, how much you need to be involved in the dedication of instruction. And of course, Proverbs, we'll see in a few moments, reminds us of that. So we can glorify God from the time we get home and we can rise up early in the morning, as it says in Deuteronomy 6, as dads as well. But it's obvious that the brunt of res- responsibility, just for the sake of sheer time, falls upon that mom. So... We honor our God by parenting according to God's word and God's will. I want to add a statement. Are you ready? In hope that God will be glorified through the lives of our children. Why do I say it like that? Because, folks, when you as a parent have committed yourself to parent your kids according to the glory of God, then it's all up to God who is sovereign. So we have hope that what we have spent our time doing, like Lois and Eunice who poured into little Timothy, as far as we know, without a a father in the home, and yet the Bible says that it made Timothy wise unto salvation. We, We think about how important it is to pour into them, but then in hope that God will be glorified. Because the second part of that is we got to trust the sovereign hand of God. We want to glorify God by the way that we parent so that we must do this according to His revealed truth. Why? Because in the back of my mind, I'm almost think, always thinking as a dad that I'm going to stand before the king one day and give an account. We always have to put this in our mind. But what greater goal could we have than our children grow up to follow Christ? What, what greater goal can you have than the truth you instilled into them makes them wise unto salvation and they trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? I said this years and years ago when my kids were really, really small. And it may have been when Timothy was real little. I'd rather them grow up to be a garbage collector. And if you collect garbage, no offense, you guys make a lot of money. Right? Than I would for him to grow up and be the president of the United States and have a hard heart toward God. I'd much rather my boys, my daughter, grow up to love Jesus Christ and follow him, no matter if the world gives them their dainties or not. I could care less about that. Because this life is short, folks. It's very short. It's here for a moment, it's gone the next. And what does it profit a man if he gains the entire world and forfeits his soul? So we need to have our priorities straight. We want kids to come. We want our children to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And what better thing could we ever hope for? We pray that our sons and daughters will be followers of Christ the King. I read a story about Dr. Gregory Bonson. This guy was a Presbyterian. Zach is hearing it. Hearing me, he, he's tracked with him. He, is a, he was an ordained Orthodox Presbyterian minister. But he was also head and scholar in residence of Southern California's Center for Christian Studies. You can actually go in now on the internet and hear, just type in Covenant Media Foundations Ministry, and you can hear ton, tons of lectures and all kind of things from this particular man. He died of a congenital heart failure issue in surgery when he was 47 years old. Incredible scholar. One of his sons stood up in the funeral service and spoke about what a great father he had and that God had given him. Talked about all the wonderful times they spent together. And then he said this, Many have said to me that they're sorry that my dad died so young and before his time. 
And here's what this 18-year-old son said. It was not before his time. It was the perfect plan of my father, and he died according to my God's sovereign will and for God's glory. Would you want your kids to say that at your funeral? Moms, our dads. Oh, that's exactly what we want them to hear. This is the way we want them to live. We need to understand that no matter what the outcome of our children's faith ends up being, we have to stand before God one day and give an account that we have led them and parented them according to thus saith the Lord. I know some very godly people who have poured their hearts and minds into raising their children. And not only do those kids turn out to be away from the Lord, some of them don't even believe in God at all. And I know these were godly parents that did the best they could to pour in the Word of God. You see, you understand what I'm saying? We do all this in hope that God Almighty, who is sovereign, will condition their hearts to follow the Lord. That's all we can say as parents. This is what we want to have. This is what we want to do. Shall we fault those parents who have done it biblically and yet the kids have gone spiritually AWOL? I've got seminary friends where this is true. They've seen the gospel ghetto. It's seminary. They've seen it all. They grew up in seminary life, and they watched their dads pastor. And some of them, whose dads were hurt by congregations and treated like you, who knows what, those kids watch this, and they come away from the ministry and say, I don't want any part of this, right? We, we know all the stories. But, folks, a lot of these are godly parents who have poured into the lives of their children. Isaiah 1, 2 says, God says this, Children I have reared and brought up, but they have rebelled against me. Anybody in here want to fault God for being a parent? He brought these kids up, and yet they rebelled against him. We need to be so fundamentally committed to the way we raise our children that we always keep in the back of our minds that one of these days I'm going to give an account to the Lord God. Did I do my best? Have I contributed to their damnation? Or have I contributed to their eternal salvation? Now, I guarantee you, all of us are going to be in our, on our faces before the king. And every one of us, as a parent, is going to stand before the Lord in light of his glory and grace, and we're going to have to ask for forgiveness for failing miserably in the way that we parented our children. Are you so super spiritual you don't think that's going to be the case? In front of the Lamb of God who is absolutely perfect? Huh. Well, you're a better man than I am. We all have failed as parents in many, many ways. But it, it all comes back to this issue of have we given everything we can give to parent our children according to thus saith the Lord. Folks, do you understand how important this is? We confess that the Bible is the word of God. We believe it has all authority. When we say faith, what do we mean by that? Well, belief. When we say practice, what do we mean by that? Authoritative in the way you live. We say this. By all means, we should do it in our parenting. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.16 that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. Don't stop there. What's verse 17 say? say what does it say? That the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto every good work. Parenting has to be in that good work, doesn't it? And how do we do it? We do it according to the Word of God. This is true uh, even in church life when things creep in that we know shouldn't be there. 
secular psychology and worldly philosophy doesn't begin with God, but with man. Y'all do know this, right? That if you're reading the secular psychologist and and you're tracking with the wisdom of the world to raise your children, they do not begin with God. They begin with man. And not only do they begin with man, they, they begin with a skewed view of man. So there's a fundamental problem when you start to believe that the greatest need of your child is self-esteem. Can I remind you that we've been fed the self-esteem line for 40-something years, and look where it's gotten us. Well, in education, it's actually gotten your kid to think that they're the smartest kids that have ever lived. But in reality, they've scored less than every generation before them on major tests. But to talk to them, they think they've scored the highest. I don't think the problem of our children is self-esteem. I think they think way too highly of themselves as it is. Amen? Well, I could rant and rave for a while. Don't you know that there is a wisdom that is not from God? 1 Corinthians 3, verse 18. Let no one deceive himself... If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. Folks, you do realize there's a wisdom from God, and ultimately it's the cross. I get it. It's it's the person of Christ. But there's a wisdom of this world, and there is the wisdom of God. And the wisdom of the world is sure to err. It is sure to go astray. And we need to humble ourselves before God and tell Him we need His wisdom. And of course, it finds its fountainhead in the person of Christ, but the Bible gives us the Word of God. When's the last time you read through the Proverbs and thought about how many times it says, don't neglect the instruction from your father. Cling to the teaching of your mother. Just listening to Proverbs. Let me show you before we wrap it up. Listen to verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Y'all hear that? Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now verse 8. Hear my son your father's instruction and forsake not your mother's teaching for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. You see the progression? The unifying factor across the board is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If you're going to have real knowledge, it has to come from God, right? If you're going to have, and that's the fear of the Lord. How does that trickle down? It trickles down into the family where mom and dad are instructing you according to multiple things. The law, right? Uh, The gospel, uh, the wisdom. There's there's a plethora of information in the Bible that that we glean uh, parenting from. But in the end, it's the truth that is passed down. So think about family isn't just a place where children learn to hold a spoon or to walk on two feet or to say please or to tie shoes or to read a book, to look both ways before you cross the street. All these things are good, by the way. To cut grass, put on makeup, to drive a car. The family is all of these things, but more than that, it begins with the Lord. It's guided by God's Word, and ultimately it leads us to the glory of God. What does it mean when it says it shall be a graceful garland around your neck? Folks, it means that your life will be graced with triumphant joy. I don't know about some of you kids in here, but I'm glad that my mom and dad raised me with biblical principles. Because today, there's triumph, there's grace, 
there's glory, there's joy. Why? It's, it's like a graceful garland around your neck. Kids, don't you want that? I mean, come on. When you get over to chapter 23, check out what it says. 23, 22. Here's what the Bible says. Listen to your father who gave you life. We gave you life, we can take you out. Right? You ever said that to your kids? Right? Listen to your father who gave you life and do not despise your mother when she is old. Verse 25. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. What? That, that garland, that pendant on your hand, that, that joy that comes from the Lord. Now, I want to give you one more, one thing final to remind you of, and that's this. Please consider the Bible as a whole. There are broad strokes of law and gospel and wisdom that impact the raising of our children. We would have to do a series, and maybe we'll do this for six months on the family to be able to, to digest all of it. But be careful of being an ironclad rule maker in how you raise your kids. Are y'all listening? Kids, kids do this, you do that. In other words, you do ABC, and you're going to get XYZ. I want to tell you that we have way too much revelation given to us in the Word of God to go to some kind of ironclad rule where God doesn't say, do it this way, but you think this is the way God... In other words, we need to honor the Word of God. We can be ironclad rule makers where God has not said, thus saith the Lord. Right? You want to be very careful about that. If you don't, you'll end up damaging one or more of your children. Why? Because it's the Word of God that changes us. Right? It's not our list of rules, of do's and don'ts, that, that we can't find in the Scripture, but yet it seems right. Right? Well, this parent did, the, did it this way. This parent did it this way. The rule, the, the ironclad rule makers is not the best way to do it. Here's the best way to do it. Right? It's the Word of God. Now, I promise you this is it, all right? Judges, listen to this. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take over possession of the land, and the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who lived outlived Joshua who had seen all the great work that the Lord God had done. In other words, what does that mean? They kept and remembered the great and, faith, great and glory and faithfulness of Almighty God all the time. They kept that alive before the people as long as Joshua lived and all the elders. In other words, they talked about God. They talked about the Word of God. Now listen to this. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in Timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. Listen to this. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that had been done for Israel. And if you read on, you'll find out that judgment came upon those people. Now, what does that mean? Well, I want to ask you today, how will the next generation know? So that that's not the case. That there arose a generation, folks. It seems obvious that that generation before them did not rehearse the great faithfulness of our God. Let's not let that be the case with us. Let's make sure we let our kids know the only God who saves. Right? Let, let's talk about the great God that brought his people out of Egypt and raised up Abraham and Moses and all those. And we keep that. Look, we have to rehearse those things and keep it alive lest the next generation comes forth and they do not know the Lord. Amen.
And here's perhaps the best thing I can offer. We need to pray for our kids. Right? We, all, we know we have to spend a lot of time college-proofing our kids. Because college pretty much slash equals secular, humanistic, and anti-God. And I don't, I don't apologize for that because it's the truth. All right? So we have to college-proof our kids. And the only way you can do it is this book. We all know the stories. They grow up in the church. They graduate. They're gone. We know the stories. What's wrong? Well, as a parent, the number one thing and duty we have is to give them the Word of God. Raise them according to the Word. And again, look, listen to this. In hope that they'll grow up and follow Jesus. Amen? Let's pray. God, you're so good to us. Uh, Father, I know the hour is late, Lord, but your word is so important for us. And Lord, I just pray for my own life. I mean, now and I, we're not finished. Lord, we parent forever until we go to glory. Lord, our children, uh, their sons and daughters, and I pray that they would not despise the teaching of their mother and father and that they would understand that it's going to come back to them in the future. And this truth can come back in a glorious way as garland, as grace garlands around our necks as we look back and think about the joy that we have in life because of truth. Lord, help us. Help us as a church. And God, would you be pleased and glorified in our parenting. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Just a short time of invitation. Brother David is going to lead us. If the Lord has spoken to your heart anyway, more than anything else, if you don't know Christ... You can trust Him today. Amen? Amen? You can trust Jesus. You can be saved today. All right? All right, let's sing together. If you want to come to the altar, come you come to the altar and pray for your kids you or anybody. Come to the altar. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come and see. Come receive, come and live forever, come just as you are, hear the Spirit call, come just as you are, come receive Christ the King, come and
Come and see, come receive, come and live forever. Come just as you are. Hear the Spirit call. Come just as you are. Come receive Christ the invite you to be seated just for a moment. I know it's Mother's Day and we got food and some of you are going to probably eat roast pastor now, right? But getting us all back together, we're kind of in a little bit of a crunch when it comes to our building that's needing repair. Let me show you just a couple of things. This is where your pastor has finally come to stand, okay? This is what I think we need to do in agreement with person, uh, trustee and stewardship. Uh, first slide, uh, Cost, yes. Construction bid from Hamby's, nine hundred thousand. Vendor cost furnishings, one twenty-one, which gives us a projected cost of a million twenty-one. Uh, what I have your high said that thousand. Yeah. <laughs> All right, a little over a million dollars. All right, money on hand, three twenty-five, which that could fluctuate from insurance, one hundred fifty thousand from the general fund. And 325 from restrictions, that gives us up to restricted funds up to 800,000. All right, on hand. Slide, next slide. I'm supposed to say loan amount needed. Uh, so, without us doing an offering, we would be looking at needing about 221 to be able to do this without borrowing any money at all. All right? Uh, we're gonna do a special offering emphasis in September to offset that large portion. And you never know, God may give us every bit of it, all right? Slide five, what is included in the May 16th proposal? That would include the office suites, fixed and redone, north and south fellowship halls, classrooms. There's a list, three family restrooms, connection center, enlarging the foyer, floor space, and new foyer restrooms. All right, slide number six, what is not included? Ladies, don't hit me in the back of the head. At this point, no, uh, no kitchen remodeling, but we are going to make it functional and begin to save to do that. We won't paint the commons. Audio equipment in the commons is out. North Wing Adult Sunday School classes and worship center theater seating is off for right now. But we'll address that in the future. And then slide seven is the worship center carpeting. Uh, Hamby Construction is bidding on the worship center carpet separate from this bid. If you'll remember, that was also part of the insurance settlement because it started coming loose back there. So, folks, I don't think there's any way we can do it all 
it's, it's hard, but I, I hope that you'll trust the leadership of our church family and all the prayer and everything that's gone into it. Uh, the ones that met the other night were unanimous. Let's take this step and go from here. And then we'll, Lord willing, in the future, pay off what we still owe and never have to borrow another dime and do it with cash. I mean, that's, that's the heart of our church, to do this and to give more money to missions. Amen? All right. So that's kind of a look at this. I apologize for you who visited, but this is the first time I had everybody together, and we need to make this, we need to vote on this next Sunday evening. So here's the information. As you leave, uh, in the back, you can get what I have in my hand and take it and look at it. If you have questions this week, please call us, and uh, Don will actually come personally to your home and visit with you. All right? Oh, he's looking at me funny now. All right, God bless y'all. Happy Mother's Day. We have uh, no service tonight, and to God be the glory. Let's stand, and as we go, let's sing, None Above Him. None above Him, none before Him, all of time.